This is episode number 102, Being Your Best Self, with Dr. Christy Overstreet. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and give a shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Raven Beria. So many of us try to get even with others when instead we should be overcoming odds with ourselves. Oleg doesn't shy away from being honest, no matter how hard it is to bring up the past. And it's that honesty that has the power to impact so many lives. Thank you so much, Raven, for that wonderful review. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check out any of our upcoming events or ways that can be involved with our community, one of the things that we started recently, roughly three weeks ago, is a weekly call for all of our community members to be a part of called Courageous Conversations. You probably have noticed this through some of the emails that you've received from us on a weekly basis that talk about some of the topics that we'll be discussing during those calls in order to help us bring us closer to who we are as individuals, but also as the Overcoming Outs tribe. So if you want to be a part of this, please join us every Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time the link is included within any of the emails that we sent, or if you haven't received it, please reach out to us and we'll be happy to share it. Now, let's get back to our guest. This week's conversation features Dr. Christy Overstreet. As a psychotherapist, speaker, and author, she helps people create the life they deserve within their personal and professional lives. As a real-world relationship expert, she provides proven strategies through self-change that improve every relationship. The Fix Yourself First with Dr. Christie podcast helps people focus on self-change versus waiting on others to change. She is also the author of Fix Yourself First, 25 Tips to Stop Ruining Your Relationships, and Fix Yourself First, 4 Weeks to Improve Your Relationships as a Couple. Without further ado, please welcome Dr. Christy Overstreet. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate to be on her platform a couple weeks ago, and we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about my story and the different elements of it. And so I wanted to have her on this show. Her name is Christy, and have her really share the experiences that she's had in her life and the different events that have had an impact on her. Uh, Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you letting me be a part of this. You do such incredible work, so I'm glad to be here. Thank you. No, thank you for being a part of it to begin with. You know, what interested me the most, I remember when I first connected with you, uh, not only your background and the work that you do, which is, um, it's not it's not something that you hear very often. And so I, I really wanted to have a um, conversation with you to be able to learn more about who you are and how you chose that particular experience. 
and how this particular career and all the events that you've had are helping you continue to become your best self along this Mm -hmm. path. But I think before we dive into that particular segment, I want to take a step back and give a chance for some of our listeners to better understand who you are. And that is ask you this uh, loaded question that I ask all of our guests to come onto the show. And that is, who are you? Well, I am someone who is constantly just trying to improve myself every single day because I know that if I keep being my best person, I'm going to have the best relationships, whether they're friendships or family or personal. Mm -hmm. So I just keep striving to be myself and be my best self without having to be perfect at it. Mm -hmm. When when did you first have this realization of wanting to improve, wanting to be the best version that you can be? Because there's something within your childhood that kind of triggered Mm -hmm. a certain series of events Mm -hmm. that led you on this journey? I would say it's the family system I grew up in and my parents, specifically my mom, who uh, was very much a caretaker and nurturer, helping other people, always trying to be her best self and pushing herself and challenging, whether it was reading Mm -hmm. or, you know, trying to help others to learn about herself. And I saw that from a very young age. And I come from a family that's very servant, meaning they like to help out and take care of people. And what I saw was there was so much fulfillment in my mom with her doing that. It felt good. So she had me volunteering and then other events or other things that I was involved with growing up, there was volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, it made me feel really good about, I feel like I had a purpose when in giving. And so to do that, I was like, I can't keep giving and doing if I'm not trying to take care of myself Mm -hmm. at the same time. And it's taken years to really harness that (laughs) in, but it started out when I was very young. I was fortunate to grow up in that kind of system. It's an ongoing process, isn't it? To be able to work mm-hmm. on yourself and the different elements of it. And what I've learned is that sometimes when you hit a point where you feel like you figured it all out, really it's just the beginning point of it all. Absolutely. And I, I'm always striving for that because things are always pivoting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can have an event that happens to you or you can look at an opportunity. It may send you in a totally different direction. So just when you think, hey, I've got it on there, absolutely not. It's just jumping off to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I want to j- dive uh, deeper into the career that you're pursuing at the moment and, mm-hmm. and the different events that actually led you to become uh, the profession that you are. Would you be willing to kind of take us through what led you to do the work that you're doing today to begin with? Well, it was an accident. Like I didn't start out wanting to be a therapist and definitely not wanted to be a sex therapist that specialized in relationships and then a sex therapist that specialized in gender identity and transgender health care. That was not my trajectory. From a very young age, my goal was to become a, a doctor, specifically emergency medicine, because I like drama crisis. <laughs> I like busyness. I like a lot of things moving in a lot of, you know, a lot of different paces. But that was my goal growing up through high school, through college, and then going into medical school and then having to make that decision to leave after that first year was it not being the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And so I had planned to do something since I was very young and worked very hard at it. And to get to that point to say, I can't continue doing this was a big pivot point for me because it was such a failure. Mm. When you plan to do something and then you kind of hit this wall and when you realize I just can't do it. 
So I personally and professionally, but definitely personally had to deal with failing at something that I really wanted to, and so much passion to do for so long and had to reset. So it was at my very bottom when I had to come out of that and figure what the heck am I supposed to do if this wasn't my path? Mm-hmm. And so I started started working in children and family services in case management and met a therapist for the first time. And where I grew up, there was no therapist in the area. There's still not hardly any because it's a very small rural town in Georgia. And when I met a therapist, I heard what she was doing and helping the kids and the families. And then something in me just clicked. I thought, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's when I jumped, you know, head, head right into it to say, this is the path I'm supposed to be doing. So started becoming a therapist, went to grad school, got the training and through my work uh, with, with individuals in that therapy space, I started working with the LGBTQIA plus community and working with them. I started realizing specifically transgender non-binary clients that I was working with were dealing with a lot of different stigmas and barriers to them becoming their best self. And so that started about 13 years ago. And I knew at that time I had to do something about this and be the voice to help support them. And while I was going through learning about their needs and helping educate, I also saw that sex and intimacy was a big issue with almost every client I was dealing with. And Mm -hmm. so as it evolved through my clinical experience, I knew I needed more training. I knew I needed to specialize so I could give that best care. And it evolved where I became a doctor in clinical sexology and specialized in helping intimate relationships and those dealing with transgender non-binary issues in healthcare. And mm-hmm. so it was an evolution for me. And oh, look, I can't tell you how grateful I am that I failed. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but if I didn't fail at what I thought I was supposed to be doing and what mm-hmm. I actually was passionate about wanting to do, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. And I have the most incredible profession, job, career, passion in the world. And I'm so grateful for failing. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to be able to dissect in order for all of us to better understand it. The first one is this concept and, and honestly, the stigma that sex mm-hmm. and intimacy has to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those topics, based on my experience, whenever it's brought up, it's like, nope, we're not going to talk about yeah. that one. Let's move on to the next <laughs> one. So how do, you, how do you break that down? How do you... How do you even begin a conversation that doesn't carry the traditional labels that we associate with those two concepts? You're right. There is this stigma about discussing it. It's very taboo. We're not supposed to talk about it. And I can tell you where I grew up, you definitely were not supposed to talk about it. That was not, (laughs) it was not okay. And and, uh, just because it was private, it's never spoken about. Um, And so, what I do is start by normalizing it, by talking about it a lot. Because so when people hear and they talk to me, they're like, okay, well, Christy's talking about it. That must mean there's permission or it's okay to talk mm-hmm. about it and discuss it. Because the more we talk about it, the more it's normal and into those conversations. Because everybody's having it or everyone's connected with it in some way. We all have a sexual self to us. Mm-hmm. And I think the more education, the more discussion about it and like really busting those myths that are out there, like, hey, we're not supposed to talk about this, but why not? We're doing it. Why would we not want to be educated about it and be our healthiest self um, in that area? So you know, having the discussions, talking about it and putting it out there really normalizes it. And that's the first step. Hmm. Which elements would you say has worked the best in starting that conversation? Is it is it personal stories that you have with either of the two or is it something something else? Sure. Especially if it's, you say, with the two, it's, 
you know, asking if I'm working with someone saying, hey, you know, let's talk about every aspect of your life. And, you know, we've got physical self, emotional self, mental self, spiritual self, Mm -hmm. and and sexual self. Mm -hmm. And so people are already knowing, hey, this is a part of me that I'm going to talk about, discuss, or look at. They, They know, hey, if we've got this big circle or this pie. My sexual self is a slice of this, and I'm going to need to talk about it so I can become this whole person. Mm. That's a very interesting perspective. And you know, the other point that you mentioned when it comes to one of the groups that you work with, LGBTQ, the the question that I had in my mind as you were kind of describing your own experience and the work that you do with that particular group to begin with is I wanted to learn how do you, what do you think can be done to normalize that a lot of these experiences and not only LGBTQ, but foster care mm-hmm. and adoption and refugees mm-hmm. and immigrants, um, people who have had to face a lot of difficult life circumstances mm-hmm. at a very young age. In your opinion, how, how, do you in, how can you normalize an experience like that? Well, starting out from that perspective that everybody's human. So we have to have a way to bond all of us and a way to see just because maybe their experiences is different than my experience. Doesn't mean that we're that far apart. We're still humans that have hearts and brains and minds and stories. Mm -hmm. We all, you know, are connecting as human beings. And that's one of the things, especially with communities that are discriminated against and stigmatized against is saying that if we approach this, this community, just like humans, it removes all those or it starts removing some of those perceptions, judgment by, Mm. and to say, you know, we don't have to have the same experience. Me as a therapist, I can't say to somebody I'm working with either virtually or in the office with me is, I know exactly what you mean, because I don't, right? And I don't have to have that experience to be able to connect with them, empathize, and then help them along their journey. Mm. For an example, if you have to go to the doctor tomorrow, let's just say you're having a medical issue, and you go to the doctor, that doctor doesn't have had to have the same medical issue you had to help you, mm-hmm. right? So it's the same thing. And, and I'm just using that doctor for an example, but anyone, we don't have to have that exact same experience to really connect with a person's heart, emotion, and to treat the other person like a human being and to give a space to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it puts us all in an equal playing field. And that's mm-hmm. where we need to be. Yeah. You mentioned one of the components that we focus a lot of our work on, and that is storytelling and, and really yeah. believing firmly in, in becoming the people that we do through the story that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. What is a story that you are currently telling yourself? Well, that um, to, well, one of the stories is to be grateful for failure because I fail at least once a week at something. Now, there's different levels of failure. Right. I mean, that that career turning point was a big one. But I have little failures every single week, whether it's my work, maybe it's a friendship, something I'm not maybe delivering enough. Maybe it's my relationship where I make a mistake or I screw up. I'm always having failures because that gives me the opportunity to grow and it reminds me that I'm not perfect. So I can be pretty hard on myself. And so I have to remind myself, hey, no one's perfect. You know, all that matters is. Do I need to apologize? And what do I need to do different so I don't have to apologize again so that I don't make the same mistake twice? So mm. with that, it's kind of really giving myself grace and having to remind myself of that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important aspect to be able to really just embrace yourself for who you are and all the things that have happened mm-hmm. to you. Because you know, recently what I started to learn, and, and it's a daily battle because of the environment that surrounds us, is 
when I think of decisions, I think there's still a tendency for us to kind of break it down into black and white, and that is good and bad. But I, I think, you know, a decision is just a decision. And, and if you think about it, you are the byproduct of all of the decisions that you've mm-hmm. made in your life. And, and even the decisions that you didn't get a chance to make, but were mm-hmm. made for you by someone else. So just really what you mentioned as far as embracing the whole journey, everything, and not categorizing mm-hmm. it into good or bad, and then only embracing the good, and then shoving away the bad, because they all make up who you are at the end of the day. Yeah. Failure is the same way. I think failure is just an opportunity to yeah. learn. So mm-hmm. what it, I think it's once we reframe that that label for what it might have been defined in the past, that's when I think mm-hmm. our whole world shifts. Absolutely. And, to, and I know it's hard for people to do that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it can be really hard to give ourselves that permission to reframe that and to almost bask in those negative experiences we have. And what that goes back to is you've got to have more days than not a strong sense of self and know mm-hmm. your foundation of where you stand. Because it's hard to say, hey, I'm loving my failure if I have a very weak foundation of who I am and not acceptance of myself. Mm. And accepting myself doesn't mean I have to like love everything about me 24 seven. That's impossible. <laughs> and we're kind of taught this positivity and we're supposed to be happy. That's not true. No one exists like that 24 seven. And all we can do is to try more days and not to accept who we are and say, what can I do to help me be a better person? Because I deserve it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to wait on anyone else to kind of make me do that because it's not going to happen that way. So embracing those negatives, the things that I don't like about myself, not beating myself down with them, but acknowledging them and sometimes, you know, spending a little bit more time worrying about them than others, but not letting it suffocate me and keep me stuck where I don't take action. Mm. It's a very beautiful point because, you know, self-acceptance, it's such a, you're right, it, it's an evolving process. And I don't even, I don't think there's a point where we hit and, and we think that we figured, all, figured it all out mm-hmm. because there's multiple layers to it. And tears, mm-hmm. and so we figure out one layer, but we mm-hmm. understand that there's going to be a layer beyond that, and it's it's going to be a it's always a work in progress every single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy for us to say, you know, self acceptance and pretend like it's all 100 percent about us. But as you and I know, mm-hmm. you know, we we know the self acceptance comes from us. But it would be unrealistic to think that we don't need some type of validation from people in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. We need that validation to say, hey, no, you are okay. It's going to be okay. Not that we depend on that, but we need a little bit of it to help build up that strong sense of self. And that's where it's so important if you can't get it at home or within your family or within your friend system or at work, that you reach out to networks. And that's what I think one of the most incredible thing about your organization with Overcoming Odds is it brings folks together. Mm-hmm. to share stories and all the stories aren't the same. And that's what's beautiful about it is having that space to connect with others and having that platform to see that I'm not alone through this. And that getting that validation can really help us continue to accept who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. Based, based on your experience and the different things that you went through throughout your life, what would you say is a healthy balance for you when it comes to seeking that external validation? And h- how do you, how do you determine what's enough as far as, okay, I've received permission here. Now I can step mm-hmm. into kind of the action mode with that particular step. Like, how do you, how do you identify that for yourself? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's this, this evolution, right? And you, you're going to be at different. I'm at different points. I'm in a different place right now than I was six months or a year ago with mm-hmm. my own self-growth. And of course, I'm a totally different space than I was, you know, five <laughs> or 10 years ago. You know, you know, I look back at some of those decisions, think, oh my gosh, you feel like a different person because you've grown so much or time's passed. But being enough or having enough, it, you have to, for me, I have to have a daily or every couple of days um, reflection of where I'm at. For me, journaling and writing helps that because it gets me out of my head because mm-hmm. I have a tendency at times to overthink. So if I can write it out, how am I doing this week? What do I need to work on? Um, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? That helps keep me balanced. And if I have a need in that, like, hey, you know what? I need a little bit more support, whether it's from my partner or from a family member or friend. It's my responsibility to reach out and say, hey, um, can we spend a little bit of time together? Hey, do you have time for a couple minutes of chat this week? I know we're busy, but I need a couple of minutes on the phone with you. Mm-hmm. Or from a family member to say, hey, do you guys have a couple of minutes to, for us to Skype so um, I can just talk with you about something? It's my responsibility to see what I need and to let them know what type of validation that I need. Mm. Christy, final uh, thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask all our guests, and that is who or what are you grateful for today? Oh, goodness, that's a big question. I'll just stay in the moment and say what I'm grateful for today is um, I'm grateful for the freedom to be myself, good, bad, and ugly, and whatever freedom might look like, whether it's for my own self um, to be able to be free, as well as my support, my country, and, and all that, that I'm able to uh, kind of share about myself to have that freedom is very important for me. Mm. What are some of the ways that people can find you and kind of keep up with your work and possibly be able to stay in touch with what you do? Sure, you can go to my website. It's christyoverstreet.com on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. So folks can connect with me however is best and easy for them. Awesome. Christy, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Thank you for being a guest and um, just being a part of this community and, and what we started to begin with. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.